You are now stuck inside my head. I apologize for the mess. You know, I started this podcast with a, a hickory hunt where uh, me and my dad went hunting for a hickory tree. And uh, that was almost a year ago. And uh, we never found one. So uh, today we got uh, went on a little road trip to uh, what is our native ancestral land that was given from the federal government uh, to the Chickasaws um, and specifically to uh, our ancestors who, uh, uh, you know, they had to sign over uh, ownership of it. Uh, they called it the land allotments. Um, and so just south of the Ardmore area uh, is this land that we're heading to to search for a hickory tree. And we've been told by other people who hunt on this land that that there is a hickory tree out here or some hickory trees out here um, and so uh, my father and I went out here just kind of uh, on a mission like we did before but uh, this time a little more hopeful uh, to find a hickory tree now uh, it's important to note that the traditions of the Chickasaws did not uh, form in southern Oklahoma uh, this is true of all the Oklahoma natives that were forcibly migrated to Oklahoma onto the, into the Indian Territory um, because uh, the the tradition for making these uh, stickball sticks that's the goal for this whole project is to is to make stickball sticks um, that tradition comes from a game that was played in the Mississippi Valley and so the more I look into it Hickory trees are not actually super common in Oklahoma. So this is all kind of a fruitless effort, as I'm starting to realize, because we went out here and we searched high and low. Um, I identified a lot of the trees. There was elm, uh, oak, and uh, was it jackberry um, trees? Uh, jack, jack black, blackjack trees. Anyways, there was a, a few different trees but not a single sign of hickory. Um, and, uh, and so we, it was again, we, um, failed mission. We did not find any, um, at this point, I'm not sure if we're going to have to go out of state to do this hunt, uh, and to find one. It would sure be nice if we could just order one from somewhere, but most of the, uh, woodworkers would, they cut it, in a certain way with the grain that makes it a little less likely to be usable. So, um, but it's going to be cheaper probably to figure that out than it will be to drive across state lines, get permission to cut down someone's tree. And I assume that if you cut down someone's tree, you're probably going to end up paying them for it. Um, you know, you either ask them and they'll either be like, well, yes, I want to get rid of that. Like on this land here, uh, it was, you know, it's our family land, so no one cared if we cut down a tree. But also, every tree you cut down is more possibility of having usable land. Because right now, this is just a thick, wooded area. Um, and uh, just a little history here. This wooded area that uh, belongs to, I guess, one of my cousins, uh, once removed. Um, 
it's been passed down the family line and, and most of the side of the family still uses it for hunting. It was never really developed on, uh, because by the time they did land allotments, a lot of people already owned property. So if you owned a house and then the government said, here, here's, you know, here's 20 acres out here in the country. Um, it wasn't likely you wanted to actually move out into the country. Uh, if, if you were a city folk at that point or your town folk, um, they did uh graze cattle out here um and and had some wildlife that they uh not wildlife but some domesticated animals that they kept out here for a little bit uh but for the most part nowadays it is just used for deer hunting um and that's why you'll see there's a feeder out here and and uh they just you know have it set up for really easy hunting if you ask me um but it's a nice big track of land uh I hiked on three different fence lines of it, uh, to kind of explore around. And, uh, it was quite a, quite a number of steps, quite a lot of hiking. Um, I don't know if it's still 20 acres. I think it might've been subdivided at some point and sold. Uh, it's at least 10 acres, um, at this point. And, uh, enough to, in a woodsy area to get really in and explore. I destroyed my tennis shoes. I did not come dressed for, for this experience. Um, I kind of thought it would be more like a field with some trees in it. I didn't think we'd be going off into highly wooded and super thorn bush kind of coated areas where it was real hard to, there's no paths, um, in certain spaces. And that's what we explored first. And then, then I went back out and explored the areas where there are paths that they've been clearing um, and that was a lot nicer. Um, but, uh, not a single hickory tree. So this, this whole thing is going to have to, we're going to find some resolution to this. Um, I imagine people grow hickory for, uh, harvesting just because it's used so much in smoking meats. It's a highly sought after, uh, hardwood for both cooking and as a hardwood. So somewhere out there, there's got to be a land where they just grow hickory trees and then harvest them and then sell it and then, you know, pl- replant hickory trees. Surely somewhere. Uh, but one of the problems is you need it to be kind of grown up in nature because you want it to have to compete for sunlight so that it has a large stretch of straight grain. Um, it's a very specific thing you need like even if we found a hickory tree there's a good chance it wouldn't have worked for our project uh, we've got to actually find a place where the hickory is growing naturally and then find a very specific piece of lumber off of that tree that's about five or six feet long that uh, is on a straightaway stretch and you can kind of tell the stretch by the by the bark and how it's straight or curved um if the tree was hunting for light versus once it found light, like straight above, it was going to shoot straight up and five or six feet and have a nice straight path before it starts branching out. Um, so it's a very specific setup that is typically found in forested areas where the tree has to grow and compete with other stuff that's growing around it. If you're just a hickory farmer, you might not care about that. And so you might actually plant your trees, you know, on a lawn 10 feet apart and leave them plenty of room to, 
to grow up and have branch out and get as much wood as possible from one hickory tree. So I don't know. I don't know. This is this might be like a, a difficult thing to figure out, but apparently that's part of it is that even though they use hickory for this traditionally, that's not an Oklahoma tree. You just don't see it as often in Oklahoma. It, it exists. I'm sure that people have. In fact, I know someone who has a hickory tree, um, but we couldn't find any other hickory trees in their property except for the one that was right next to their house, and it wasn't ideal. So uh, they exist, and at some point I might just put some feelers out there on social media, just ask some, some groups uh, that have, you know, hunting land and see if somebody has uh, hickory trees on their hunting land that they'd be willing to allow us to go cut one down. Um, and I just assume you give somebody some money for that because, you know, it takes these trees a long time to grow. It feels like it should have some kind of value to it. Um, but, uh, so that was that experience. It, it, it didn't turn out well, but it was still, it was neat to see that land, um, to kind of get out there and, uh, experience some of that, you know, ancestral area and think about, uh, how that all unfolded for, uh, the history of our people. Um, but also just uh, more on a family level, um, how it's used today and, and just that that's a resource that's out there. I guess I could go camping on this anytime I wanted, um, and just, uh, communicate with the family members so they don't go out and shoot me while I'm out there. But, uh, but no one really lives out here. It's just, it's just used for recreational stuff. So anyhow, uh, I've been sick. I don't know if you can tell my voice, but as soon as I got back from this trip, I got sick. And it, like, I mean sick, sick. I don't understand it, sick. Like, uh, viral. And I don't, I'm not around a lot of people, but I was around a lot of people this week. So it could have been anybody, but I feel like somebody gave me something. Or the other thing was I was out so much. I could have had such bad allergies from all this experience that I got a sinus infection. That's also a possibility. I don't really know. I don't know how you tell the difference. Uh, but I'm getting better now. I broke my fever. and But I was like 24 hours just delusional with fever, sleeping all the time. Everything in my, every bone in my body hurt. Um, I didn't eat just because I couldn't. Like, I just couldn't. I just, it wasn't that. I never got sick to my stomach or anything like that. I just... Uh, I was just dead. I was just asleep. Um, and I was cold. Shivers, you know? So that's what made me think. It was, like, it was probably viral. Um, it felt like the flu. And uh, so I'm, I'm getting over it now, but if you can hear it in my voice, that's what that is. And uh, I'll be back with something else uh, next time. Um, but I just thought since this was like a one-year from doing this podcast and we went on another hickory hunt it kind of was fitting to talk about that to kind of reflect back upon a year of doing whatever this is um i do enjoy it i just don't know i don't know why i do it but i enjoy it so there's that anyways take care of yourselves bye